opened my eyes, let me Maybe seated. Now let's think about this whole spiritual nutrition thing. Um, would you say that the average person you know, average church person, let's let's say it this way, the average church person you know is spiritually healthy? Would you say that the average person in your neighborhood is spiritually healthy? In your state, in your nation, are they? St- <laughs> Some of you are getting more emphatic the, the further we go. Well, here's part of the deal: there are 168 hours in a week. The average church person, how much time do they spend focusing solely on God? Of that 168 hours, one hour. That's if they go to church every Sunday. So when it comes decision time and they need to make they need input into these major decisions of life do you think they're basing their input on what God their creator wants them to do or on other forces that are in their lives because if you only spend 1 hour a week focusing on God and the other 167 hours a week focusing on you and your needs who's in charge of your life you or God You or somebody else that has a lot of influence on you that God doesn't have. Because the average person, if they don't go to church, 168 hours a week are focused on their lives. And so I'd say that probably leads to spiritual malnourishment. And so today we're going to try to figure out how we can um, address that situation and come up with a spiritual diet that works. Now, I want to uh, put up on the screen some logos for you from our series In this last calendar year, 2007, we do everything in series, and so we're just going to scroll through these in just a second. And and if you weren't here, obviously, you do not remember anything about it, so just kind of, you know, take a 60-second siesta. But if you were here, I want you to look at the the titles of these series, and I want you to try to figure out if, if you remember anything from it, and then make a mental note about whether in these series you actually made some decision that moved you closer to God. Life is a highway, you remember that? We did the song Thread, you may not remember that one. About with Doubt. <laughs> our, uh, go back to our movie series, can you go back up to that one? This was just, every summer we do something called Summer Blockbusters, and this was just one of them, since it was the, what, what anniversary, 30th? 30th anniversary of Star Wars coming out, we actually did Star Wars, but we did a lot of different movies. Uh, we did Les Miserables, what else did we do? Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah, you remember that one. Jenny, that's one of her favorite series every year, by the way. She remembers a lot of those. She's telling me that she likes that series. Now, in all of these series, we've had a goal in mind. And I don't know if you realize it, but we've had a goal in mind. What we do is we we challenge you to move from wherever you are, because we expect people here to be on all sides of the spiritual spectrum. We expect all... Uh, different conditions of spiritual nourishment from people who come here. So what we want you to do in any series that we do is we want you to identify where you are and take a step towards where God wants you to be. We don't expect you to take ten steps because that's not realistic, is it? If you've ever watched The Biggest Loser, we watch that every, every series. We watch The Biggest Loser. They don't expect them to lose 150 pounds in one week, right? 
It's a few pounds a week, and then if, as they add that up consecutively, they get to a point where they need to be. Well, that's what we expect as a church as well. Now, so, what, what, my experience, I've been in churches all my life, and I've been a minister now for 24 years. I was a youth minister for 19 years, been a pastor for a little over five years. My experience in churches is, most churches had this idea that um, no questions are allowed, especially the hard questions. I don't know if you've had this experience, but, you know, if you have some really uh, serious questions about God, you know, if God is real, how come I can't see Him? If any of those types of questions, most of the places I've been, they just say, you don't have enough faith. And, and that's how they answer the questions. They don't, they don't try to really address the issues that people are having. Our church, our goal is all questions allowed. We're not afraid of any question. I had a guy one time tell me, he said, man, I got so many questions, I make your head spin. I'm like, dude, shoot. Go on. I'm not afraid of any of your questions. He did two or three and he said, oh, I'll get back to you on the rest of them. Because we, we had this great dialogue and I answered his questions. And I said, come on, shoot some more. I'll, I'll come. He, was, he was really using a smoke screen to keep him from coming to God. And he knew it. And we figured that out real quickly. But we want you to bring questions here. So we started our last year, we started the series, the questions series. And I want to begin this year kind of, kind of going back over this and asking some serious questions because I want you to focus on these questions. Now let's, let's think about the question. What does it mean? Question means asking. The word question comes from advice or the idea of a quest. So whenever I'm asking questions, I'm on a, an intellectual journey. And what I want you to do this year in, in 2008 is be on a spiritual, intellectual journey so that you not only gain more knowledge, because knowledge without action is worthless. So we want you to gain knowledge about who God is, but we want you to apply it to your life. So we're going to do this. In 2008, this is kind of going to be our theme that runs throughout the whole year. We're going to ask questions. If you have your listening guides, here's what ask means. In 2008, our goal for you is to always, we'll be always seeking knowledge. Always seeking knowledge. I should never stop asking questions, and you shouldn't either. But I already know some of you are going to say, but, but Doug, I've asked God questions for years and God's remained silent. How come He remains silent? Well, sometimes God answers your questions just right then, but sometimes He answers them later. And sometimes He doesn't seem to answer them at all. Why? That's because He wants us to trust Him. Um, God leaves me in the dark sometimes, so I'll trust Him. Here's an example. Last year, this Sunday last year, we were considering whether we should move into North Jackson Baptist Church's facility. Some of you just went, oh yeah, that was one year ago, seems like forever ago. On Sunday night of this Sunday last year, we went over, I preached there for them, and then they began to talk, and then they eventually had a vote, and they said, no, we don't want to give our church to you. And we said, okay, that gives us an answer. We know we're not supposed to go there. Did we know why one year ago? No, not at all. Wouldn't it have been easier for God to have said, you're not going to move there because you're going to buy the skating rink in October? Wouldn't that have been so much easier? And then what would we have had to have done for ten months? We'd have been thinking about that. Why can't we move in sooner? You know, we'd have been all upset about all this. Instead, God wanted us to trust Him because we had some issues in our church we had to address. Right? We had to go through some stuff, um, bring some stuff out into the open. We had to pray through some stuff, heal. And then, all of a sudden, boom, before we even know it, we've got a new facility. And now we're preparing to move in. One year's time, we didn't know it, but God wanted us to trust Him, and He left us in the dark much of that time. 
And, and here's, here, there's some questions that, that we're going to ask God, um, but he's not going to answer every single question. So here's what I want you to realize. What we tried to communicate last year, what we're going to try to communicate every series this year, is that God wants us to ask questions, but here's what he wants us to ask. You ready? He wants us to ask the right people the right questions so that we get the right answers. Yes. We've got to have the right people in our life asking them the right questions and we'll get the right answers. Too many of us, though, what have we spent our lives doing? Asking the wrong people the wrong questions or even asking the wrong people the right questions and you're going to come up with every time the wrong answers. So who are the right people? That's a great question to ask. In fact, I want you to say that. Who are the right people? Let's try it again. Who are the right people? Great question. Number one, right people to ask. God is the first one. Now, I want you to realize this because last year, we didn't always, um, as a church, we didn't have direction sometimes. Sometimes we may have questioned whether we had a clue who God was and whether God was going to bless us. Let me read you a verse, and this ought to remind us that God is on our side. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? So what I have to do when I'm really searching and don't know what to do, I have to remind myself that I am a child of the God of God because I have given my heart to Him. I'm a member of His family. And if God is for me, who do I have to be afraid of? Do you think Arnold Schwarzenegger's son worries about whether the lid on his jar gets stuck? No. Daddy? Whenever you, Superman, other than kryptonite, you know, his son, he doesn't worry about the boogeyman getting him because Superman's going to come rescue him. We know the God of the universe who is our creator. And if he is for us, who can ever be against us? Now, we didn't know what to do about the North Jackson situation, so what did we do? We asked God. Why? Because if you're a child of God, he's your protector, defender, provider, your spiritual father. Who can ever be against you? Now, we don't ask some priest that we don't know. We don't ask some fortune teller. And really, as a child of God, I don't depend on the horoscope in the newspaper. I ask my father, my spiritual father, what I'm supposed to do. And the Bible says that if you seek God with all your heart, God has said, you'll be found by me. You'll find me. I'll find you if you seek me with all your heart. But, but really, so often that it ought to embarrass us, we don't ask our spiritual father what we're supposed to do. We might ask some folks, but it's not God. And so I, I, I want to ask you, do you talk to God? Do you ask him before you make decisions? Jeremiah 33, 3 says this, Ask me, God is speaking, ask me and I will tell you some remarkable secrets about what is going to happen here. God says, if you'll ask me, I'll tell you some incredible things. We need to ask God three things. This is on your, your listening guide. First, we want to ask Him the content question. The content question. Is it in your Word, God? Because God has written His Word down. Before I do something, I need to consult God's Word. Is it part of God's Word? If it is, I don't even pray about it, just do it. If it's not, don't do it. Because God is going to tell us what to do in His Word. 95% of God's will for you is written down in this Bible. The reason you and I make mistakes is because we don't consult the Bible before we make decisions. Or if we do consult the Bible, we don't do what it says. Because God knows how to live this life better than we do. The next question is, 
the character question. What is the character and nature of God? God is holy, pure, He's awesome. So I ask myself a question. Is what I'm considering doing, is it holy? Is it pure? Does it bring glory to you, God? Because God's only going to call us to do things that reflect His nature and His character. If we would ask ourselves before making decisions, is it pure? A lot of times we'd have to say, no, it's not. It is all selfish. And that would be the answer to our question. Now, so ask God, God, I'm ready to, get the, to make this decision, this choice. I have a question. And the, the answer should reflect your nature and your character. That's the answer. If, if it does, if it's holy, if it's pure, if it's righteous, green light, do it. If it's not, then I would have a serious red light about whether I should make that decision. So the content question, the character question, then the call question. God has an amazing purpose for all of us. You are not an accident, and God wants you involved in His plan to save this entire planet. And there is no job. One, one of the things we say here in our membership class is that every person has, has a spiritual gift. Every person who is a child of God has a spiritual gift. You need to be using that spiritual gift in serving God. That's where you find your purpose and meaning in life. But we also say this, every member of our church is a minister. We don't just have one minister who stands up here or sits up here. We have, we have tons of ministers in our church. And every person is a 10 in some area. And some of you are going, oh, I'm not good. Yes, you are. God created you. You are a 10 in some area. And every ministry of our church is important. Every ministry of our church is important. And so we want you involved wherever God has equipped you to be involved. So God is going to to call you to do stuff that promotes His kingdom. So you say, God, does it fit your agenda for my life? Is it part of your will, your plan for my life? Because God, God doesn't do this. What God will do is He'll take your, your whole life, and, and God has shaped you. He's given you a spiritual gift. He's given you a heart, a passion about something. My wife has passions for things that I don't have passions for. I have passions for things she doesn't have passions for. God has given you a heart for something. He's given you abilities. You may not believe you have abilities. He's given you some abilities. When, when we're working on the building, we see some people have abilities in some areas. Some people have abilities in other areas. He's given you a personality. But then there's this last thing. When you look at the shape, God has shaped you for a ministry. The last thing is experiences. You and I may have passions for the same thing. We may have the same abilities, but we may express that in a different way because of our experiences. God has brought you through some stuff. He's allowed some stuff to happen in your life. Some of the stuff that's happened in your life is a direct result of your choices. You are suffering the consequences for what you have chosen to do. Some of the stuff in your life is happening because other people have made choices that have affected you drastically. And it's not fair. Life isn't fair. But one thing God has promised is He'll take all the experiences of your life, good or bad, and He'll work out something good in your life. You know what that good is? He will make you look more like Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of God, His whole plan for you is to look like Christ. Not to be comfortable, not to be happy, but to look like His Son, Jesus. And so, you know, a lot of times He has to use a chisel. A lot of times He has to use a sledgehammer because we are so hard-headed. But God will take any experience, and your most painful experience, if you'll allow God, He will give you a point of connection with another human being who is lost and bound for hell... And because of your experience, because you've walked through it, God will allow you to connect with them and lead, you into his, lead them into His family 
And that changes their destiny. I don't know of anything any more important than being involved in that. Playing sports didn't do that for me. I love sports. Business, I've been in the business world. That didn't do it for me. The only thing that gets my blood pumping on a regular basis is seeing somebody who has a hard heart turn that heart over to God and be changed. I can't do that, but the supernatural God of the universe can. And God has called you to do something in this world that lasts for eternity and you will not find happiness in your life. You will not find purpose in your life until you do what God created you to do. And once you do, you'll never go back to anything else. So the content question, the character question, and the call question. But, but I've, got a, I've got a dilemma here. What if I don't know God? Can you call on Him if you don't know Him? Well, let's look what the Bible says in John 8, 47. The person who belongs to God accepts what God says. But you don't accept what God says because you don't belong to God. There's another translation that says the person who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. Now, when I, when I worked with teenagers, this verse scared people. I'm not hearing God. Does that mean I'm not a child of God? Well, let's go back and let's find out. If you've ever asked God into your life, if you've ever given Him control of your life, He adopts you as His child. That means you are part of His family. He doesn't unadopt you from His family. You become a part of His family forever. And if you're not hearing God, it probably means that you've gone off on your own tangent and you're not spending time with God, you're not talking to Him, you're not reading His Word, you're not fellowshipping with other people who are Christians. That's why you're not hearing. But it could be the reason you're not hearing God is because... You don't know Him. And so this verse really leaves two options. The reason you're not hearing is because you're not a child of God, or you're so far from God you wouldn't recognize His voice even if He were to say something out loud. Now, I just said you don't lose your salvation if you make a choice opposite of God's Word. It just means you're stupid and you will suffer the consequences. And, and I've been stupid. I've shared lots of stories with you about that, driving my kids and my wife around my hometown when I went to see my parents and she wanted to know some of the dumb things I had done and she knows most of them, but I would say, oh yeah, right there, that's the first time I got arrested and right there, that's the second time I got arrested. Um, and I share that stuff with my kids not so that they can go, oh, well, daddy did it. I'm like, that's the dumbest reason I've ever heard to do something because somebody else did something stupid. You're going to do something stupid. Come on. Learn from other people. Okay, let's move on. Now, let's go back and let's look at some of these logos. Let's walk through some of this stuff. What we're going to do all the time is we're going to say, how does God's Word, what does God have to say about how we do life? So the first series, we, we did questions, then we did in the zone. In the zone, we were talking about how to get in God's blessed place financially. Does God have anything to say about money? And some of you get nervous whenever we talk about money. Well, sure God does. God has a lot to say about it. He, he has a lot to say about savings. He has a lot to say about staying out of debt. Don't get into debt. He says the borrower will become the lender's slave and the rich will rule over the poor. God has a lot to say about money. So we tried to say, what does God have to say about my money and how should I do my money? And a lot of you made a step towards God when we did this series because you said, number one, I haven't given God squat. I have not acknowledged that God is God of my finances, so I need to give. Some of you stepped up and began tithing, which is a 10% deal. That's a huge commitment where you're trusting in God. So we looked at this whole deal and we said, what does God have to say about money? Here's what He has to say. 
You choose, follow Him or not. Next series. Life is a highway. We said, does God have anything to say about how we do life? We found out in this series, we did the, the song, you know, from, from uh, Rascal Flatts that, that was in Cars, the movie, Life is a Highway. We sang that song and we learned that God really wants us to be involved in three things. He wants us to invest our lives in three things. One is the church. God expects you to be a member of a church if you're a follower of His. There's no such thing as an orphan Christian in God's economy. So the Bible wants you to be involved in church. So a lot of people made commitments to become involved in new life. God also wants you to be involved in small groups where you hang out with other Christians and you fellowship with them. So we looked at that. And we looked at God wants you to invest your life in serving other people because you really find meaning when you serve. When you go down and you serve children and then you see them come and hug you not because you've done anything nice, but just because you've hung out with them and you've told them a little bit about Christ and maybe given them a cracker. <laughs> your heart is warm because you've served. And for at least 45 minutes, an hour, you've taken your eyes off yourself and you put your eyes on somebody else. You become a little less selfish. You look a little bit more like Christ. So God wants you to do those three things. We learned that in life as a highway. Next one. Thread. Anybody remember anything about thread? I got up here and I had on a custom-made suit. Y'all remember that? Because y'all laughed because you never see me in a suit, except at weddings and funerals. Y'all were laughing about that, and I came up here. Remember what I did with that suit? I cut it up. Why? Because I said, here's what we do when we choose to live life apart from God's Word. We mess up God's plan, God's design for our life. God was the first designer, and He has this incredible garment for us that... But the Bible says, look at Second uh, Corinthians 5.17. The Bible says, what this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone, a new life has begun. This is where we get the, the title for our church. The name of our church, New Life Community Church. Because we believe that God has called us to take off our own life. That's, that's what the Bible says. You take off your life of sin. You put that at the cross, and then you put on this custom-designed garment made by God for you. And you begin to live that life, and it makes a difference. Next one. Next series. You got that? Oh, I, I kind of messed you up, didn't I? About without. You remember that? We looked at world religions. We said, how can we know Christianity is true and some of these other things aren't true? Y'all remember that? And we, we did a very intellectual study of some of the other world religions. Um, Islam. We looked at, at Jehovah's Witnesses. We looked at um, Mormonism. And we compared that to Christianity. And we said, would the real God of the universe please stand up? And the overwhelming evidence was Jesus Christ is who He says He is. He's the Son of God. He's the only one that acted like God, that had the powers of God, and He's the only one who conquered the grave. So every series we've asked the question, what does God have to say about life? Are there answers to these great questions that we have? And we determined that, yes, there are. And we have all kinds of new challenges in 2008, and we need you to be asking God for wisdom about what you do. But you don't just ask God. You ask Him first. There's another group that God wants you to ask. This is on your listening guide. God wants you to ask others. Ask other people. We ask God first. We also ask others. Whenever we come to a crossroads, whenever I come to a crossroads, in fact, this week I've got a couple of meetings with professionals <laughs> about the new building. I'm having professionals come in and tell, what do you say that we need to do? Because I don't have a clue about some of these things. 
We've got professional people coming in and we're going to get their opinion. Why? Because they've been there before. They have experience in this area. Now, here's what we tend to do. There's a couple of groups of people that we tend to ask questions. You might want to just jot these down because this isn't on your listening guide. The first group of people that we ask questions is what I call the sinful sympathizers. Sinful sympathizers. You know who they are? They're the ones in the big fat middle of sin who want you to make the same bad choices they made because misery loves company. Okay? So if you're, if you're considering whether you should um, get a divorce, don't go talk to people who've been divorced many times and are bitter about that. I mean, come on. That makes no sense. The sinful sympathizer, let's say you're in business and, and you've got some decisions to make about whether you're going to declare this, whether you're going to pay for this or whatever. The sinful sympathizers are like, come on, dude, the government will never know. Look at what I've done. I've made all this money ripping off the government. And then you can share a jail cell when you get caught. I mean, sinful sympathizers are on what Jesus called the path to destruction. And I was thinking about this when... When we drive to my parents at Borger, Texas, 500 miles from here, we go up uh, through Fort Worth and then we get on 287 where 287 is a real highway. <laughs> you know, 287 from here to Corsicana and south, it's two lanes, sometimes it's four lanes. Well, from Fort Worth all the way to Claude, Texas, population 402, it's four lanes. It's, it's a nice four-lane highway. This is broad highway and there's lots of people on that highway. And if you ever have car trouble, somebody will at least wave at you and acknowledge you had car trouble. Whether they stop or not, that's, that's another deal. But you'll at least have the opportunity that someone will know that you've had car trouble. At Claude, Texas, you turn north on Highway 207. Highway 207 is about as wide as this podium I have up here. And, and if a wide load happens to come, you've got to go over in the ditch to get around them. And you might see on that 45-mile stretch from Claude, Texas to Borger, Texas, you might see 10 cars on a busy day. I have driven home where I saw no cars. Now, Jesus says that the sinful sympathizers are on the broad highway 287 and there's lots of them and they are headed straight to hell and they want as many people as possible to go to hell with them. But there's another group you need to ask. And these are the spiritual empathizers. Empathy means someone who, who shares feelings with you. They've been through similar circumstances. Someone to empathize with you. And someone who empathizes has actually been through your situation. Sympathy, they just say, oh yeah, I know how you feel. But an empathizer has actually walked down that path before and they can say, here's how I dealt with it. Spiritual empathizers. These are the people you want to ask. These are the people who have been on the brink of divorce, but by the grace of God, they have not gone that path. And now their, their marriage is thriving. When I want to know about how to do marriage, I want to talk to those people. And in fact, Janie and I did before we got married. I know Alex and Danielle did before they got married. They went around and talked to people who they wanted to have marriages similar to theirs. What did you do right? What did you do wrong so I don't have to go down the wrong path? You talk to people who are doing business with integrity that have been through the trials and they've survived and thrived. Go to people who are doing stuff right. Don't, don't hang out with the sim, uh, sinful sympathizers. Now, 
The spiritual empathizers will always... Here's how you tell the difference. Spiritual empathizers will always point you to God. In fact, they may even have a verse. This is what helped me through this difficult time. The sinful sympathizers, they'll tell you this book doesn't do any good. That it's just an ancient relic. That the one who wrote it didn't know what he was talking about. They will always steer you away from God. The spiritual empathizers will always steer you towards God. Where do you find these people to ask about life? Well, in small groups. One of my favorite memories of small group. Now, I love my small group, and, and a lot of folks have been in my small group for a couple of years. But one of my favorite memories, and I love eating together and you know all that. This past uh, fall, we did a, a marriage series, and in that marriage series, we did dance lessons. And we got some pitiful ballroom dancers in our church, and, and I'm, I'm one of them. Um, but, but one of my fondest memories was we did two things that I absolutely love to do. Every Sunday night, we ate dessert, and I mean we ate dessert. We didn't even bother with supper. We went straight to dessert. Back there, there'd be all these desserts lined up, and I would pile it up and eat so much junk that I had no room left for supper. And that was perfectly fine with me. So we'd sit around, we'd eat dessert. And then we would start talking. We'd sit down after our dance lessons, we'd sit down around the table, and we would talk about whatever the topic was from, from that Sunday. We talked about parenting, we talked about finances, we talked about how to, how to deal with um, forgiveness in our marriages. And something amazing happens whenever you sit down with spiritual empathizers. Somebody will bring up a question... And I don't, I don't even pretend to put on my pastor hat when I'm in that situation. A lot of times I'll just sit there and listen. And I'll listen to this person say, well, I've got a question about this. How do you handle a uh, strong-willed child? Anybody got any of those? And somebody would say that. And then across the table, somebody over here who's walked that path and whose children survived and are, are productive members of society. <laughs> they said, well, here's what we did. And I just sit there in awe of the God of the universe saying that when you get together with spiritual empathizers, God's going to show you a pathway. Because a lot of us have questions. We've got all these questions about life. How do I do life? We ignore church. We ignore God's Word. And we ignore God's people. Is it any wonder we wind up on the wrong path? The broad road that leads to hell. It's no wonder because we're not going where God told us to go. We're not talking to people who are doing stuff right. And God wants us to do that. So we need to talk to those types of people. Um, if you think about this, we're emulating Jesus' ministry. Because Jesus preached to the crowds, right? But if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the first four Gospels of the New Testament, who did Jesus spend most of His time with? What group of people? Sinners, but, but when he was teaching, his disciples. So he would preach to 5,000. He fed 5,000. Another time he fed 4,000. He would preach to so many people you couldn't count them. But then he'd pull his 12 disciples aside and he'd say, you've heard God said this? Well, I'm telling you this. You've heard this? We're going to expand on that and go here. And he taught them. But there was even a group of three, Peter, James, and John. Many times Jesus would only allow Peter, James, and John to go. So it would be an even smaller group and he poured even more into them. And the first spokesman of the church was Peter, who came from that smaller group. So if we want to do church like Jesus, we have large group where we worship together, but we also get together in groups of 10 to 12, and we also get together in groups of 2 or 3, where we can really share heart to heart with people 
we want to be like because they're doing life right. Does that make sense? So we ask God, we ask others, um, and then look at Hebrews 12, uh, 10.25. Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that His day of coming back is drawing near. Here's the deal. We, we actually try to plan a balanced spiritual menu for you every year. Our, our goal is we look at relationships. We'll do something on parenting and marriage. We look at finances. We look at how you do life. We look at doctrine. We have this balanced meal. But if we're really honest, a lot of people miss the balanced meals because they might come one Sunday out of four. And, and we're grateful that they come the one Sunday. But if you're coming 12 hours out of your year and you're not committed to small groups and you're not committed to spiritual empathizers, what kind of advice are you getting? Is it possible to get God's advice when you're not hanging out with God's people or spending time in God's Word? Is that even possible? Probably not. Your your chances aren't so good. So what we want to do is we want to challenge you today to move from wherever you are one step closer to God. If you've been coming one Sunday a month, we want you to come two. Three to four. (laughs) If you're coming regularly, we want you to join the church. Because you become what you're committed to. If you've joined the church, then we want you to get involved in serving. If you're serving, we want you to get involved in in, uh, giving to the church and tithing to the church. We don't ask our, our guests to give a dime. To our church. You don't know why? Because we expect our members to give. We figure as long as there's one person within driving distance of our church who does not know God, then we've got to continue to focus outward, not inward. We will not, by the grace of God and by the blood, sweat, and tears of my body, we will not become a country club that is exclusive. It will not happen while I have breath. So we're going to give our money so that other people can hear about Christ and and enter His family and have changed destinies. That's why we're in existence. That's why we even bothered to buy another building. So we can have room to tell more people about this incredible person named Jesus who wants to change their life. Now, there's one other person that you need to ask. And that's yourself. We ask God first. We ask others, spiritual empathizers, not not the sinful guys, Then we ask ourselves. Major question we've got to ask ourselves is this. You know, I mentioned you're shaped. Spiritual gift, your passion, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. See, for me, what I had to ask was, when five years ago, when Janie and I were in between jobs and we were really trying to figure out what we were supposed to do, we asked ourselves, see, I'm a small-town boy. I've, I've been in big cities, don't like it. Don't like the traffic. I don't even like the stinking traffic on Loop 256 in Palestine. I mean, I right, live right across from Lowe's. I love Lowe's, hate the traffic. Janie's already petitioning for a stoplight there because she wants to get it before our kids start driving because it's just accidents waiting to happen. I'm a small-town guy. I grew up in a Baptist church. Um, I love the outdoors. I love fishing. I love hunting. I, uh, I have always had this place in my heart for underdogs. Every youth ministry I ever had, I tried to focus on not, not the, the ones who had everything. I tried to focus on the ones that everybody else forgot. So based on my past, what, what do you think best fit my plans 
to continue in a traditional church because I could have gone to a big city to a traditional church and been a big city traditional church pastor. I didn't want to do that. Because I wanted to reach people in Palestine. We felt God called us to Palestine to reach people who were far from God. And so we dedicated the rest of our lives to this church, to Palestine. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to be asking you to join me and do something that makes a difference. Because I've, I've done the, the business thing where I go to work every day, do my 8 to 5 job, and then get time and a half overtime and double time and a half on holidays. I've done that. And every night I would go home and sit in my empty apartment and I would feel just as empty inside as, as my apartment was. And I said, there's got to be more. And what I discovered is God has a plan for every part of my life. And there is a promise in His Word for every problem you will ever face. The reason you feel alone, the reason you feel uh, like you don't have direction is because you hadn't talked to God. So I want you to take your registration cards and I want you to fill those out. If you're guests, um, be sure and fill it all out. If you've been here before, you just put your name down there. Every week, the reason we have these registration cards is we want to challenge you. Knowledge, information without examination is an abomination. That's a bunch of Asian words. Um, information without application is worthless. So we try to challenge you every Sunday to respond and take one step, baby steps. So today, I want you to, to just figure out where you are spiritually. If, if you had not been to church in a long time, we're glad you're here today. We're going we're gonna to start a new series next week on, on our heart condition and, and how we get um, a better heart spiritually. We want you to come back for that. And we'll have a parenting series after that. And we're, we've, we've got some plans for this balanced diet for you spiritually. But what I want you to do is I want you to say, first of all, um, on the back, turn your card over, and, and I want you to consider some things. First of all, do you know God? If you don't know God, your first step, you need, you need to get in touch with your Heavenly Father. And I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a second. Second, if you've attended one Sunday a month and maybe you'd like to make a commitment to two Sundays, I want you to just write down, two Sundays a month. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you be here every week. I'm not here every week. I take vacations. I understand that. But what I'm asking is, what are you committed to? Because the Cowboys may or may not win a playoff game for the first time in ten years. I'm very aware of the Cowboys' history. I'm a Cowboys fan. They play next week. We don't know who yet. But it doesn't matter in the scheme of eternity whether the Cowboys win that game next week. What are you committed to? Maybe it's time that you said, I want to commit to the church. I've been attending. I've been casually dating the bride of Christ. I'm ready to, to do something more. So just write, church membership. I'm ready to join. Maybe you've not been involved in small groups and you want to get involved in a small group. Write down small groups. We have Celebrate Recovery every Friday night for people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That's all of us. But a lot of us don't realize, a lot of us have not heard enough to be willing to make a commitment to Friday nights. So just keep on doing things your way, and when you're hurting enough, you'll come. We're going to keep doing Celebrate Recovery. It's not just 
alcohol abuse or drug abuse. There's everything you can imagine. If you'll walk the 12 steps of recovery, no matter what your problem is, you'll be a stronger person one year from today. I guarantee it. Maybe you need to serve. Because we have folks... The reason we take off the last Sunday of the month... Last Sunday some of you came. I'm sorry. We take off the last Sunday of the year. Not of the month. Of the year. Because we have some people that serve downstairs and we just want to give them a Sunday off. And if we were doing what we should be doing, we would have a rotation of people so that they never serve more than two weeks without being up here. When we get in our new building and we grow, we need more people because we're going to have more children. We, got, we are a very uh, productive group of people. And I mean that reproductively. We have children all over the place downstairs. And you, all you have to do is have a love for kids and a love for God and, and you can serve. So we need people to help down there. And we're going to be challenging you to do that. If you want to serve, put that on there. Now, at the back we have two baskets. One is our joy basket. Oh yeah, you better after today. You better give a whoop. Our joy basket is for our church members. We expect our church members to give. If you're a guest, we don't expect you to give. The other basket is the registration card. If you have any prayer concerns, I read through these and I pray, and, and not that I have any special prayer uh, connection with God other than I'm His, His child. I don't have any more connection than you do. But I will commit to pray for you this next week if you'll write down whatever prayer concern you have. Let's be uh, dismissed in prayer.